Welcome to Life List, a birding podcast. Hello, hello. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Welcome to Life List, a birding podcast. I am George Armistead here with both Molly Brown and Alvaro Jaramillo. Happy 2023, guys. Happy 2023. Haven't recorded yeah. together in so long. <laughs> I feel like forever. Yeah. Yeah, this is a very stressful time of year for me because I keep, I will, you know, write 2022 and anything that has dates on it for the next month. And I know I do it. I've done it years and, uh, and I hate it because it makes me feel stupid. Do you just keep like a little <laughs> bottle? You keep a little bottle of whiteout in your pocket just because, yeah. you know, because everybody uses yeah. whiteout still, right? That's, still That's right. You know, it's like, yeah. Um, yeah. You might have to explain to Molly what whiteout is. <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite. <laughs> not quite. Well, I'm yeah. in the, the stage of I keep saying next year and thinking, wait, that's this year. And then trying to think what last year is and what that means. And yeah, more of my struggle right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm falling into that. It's always so. next year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Certainly if you're a Philadelphia sports fan, that's generally that's generally what you say is, yeah, wait till next year. Wait till next year. Next year's our year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, happy 2023, guys. Um, I am curious about two things from Whoa. both of you guys. Two things I want to know. One, what did you do for New Year's Eve? Two, did you make any New Year's resolutions? I feel like I know the answer to both of these already, but I'm still curious to get your takes. Molly, what about you? New Year's Eve, I was in bed by 10 o'clock, as I am most nights, <laughs> which is probably what you expected. Um, New Year's resolutions, I typically don't set any, and I wouldn't say that I have a, a hard resolution this year, um, but I kind of have a birdie one. Mm, um, juicy. Yeah. Yeah. Last year, I felt like I just didn't go out and bird by local patch nearly as much as I like to, and just... I don't know. I chased a few birds and I did some traveling, but didn't just bird just for fun around home. So for this year, I want to work on photographing the common birds in West Virginia. And in doing that, I hope to just enjoy the common birds and get out and do some more, you know, typical patch birding a little more. So that's my sort of New Year's resolution. No, nice. no hard numbers that I'm trying to hit or anything. Excellent. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I'm in danger this coming year. I, you know, we we have kind of an annual challenge here of hitting of of a bunch of us in in Philly that kind of go for 200 species in the city limits. And um, you know, to do it, you got to you got to spend some time outside. And you 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 can't you can't sort of passively get 200 in Philly. You have to make an effort. Uh, it's a very achievable goal if you make the effort, um, but you do have to make the effort. And I'm looking at my travel schedule, and I'm like. Huh. Uh -oh. This yeah, this this could be the first year I don't make it. We'll see. Um, mm. And um, so I'm, I, I think I think I'll still do it. I think I'll still do it. We'll see. But um, I think it's been five years in a row now that I've hit 200 in the city. Uh, we will see if 2023 is, makes it six. Is your birding work getting in? You know, it's messing up your birding life. So too Dude. much work birding, <laughs> yeah, so you can't bird say, when you're not working. Is that what's yeah. going on? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit, Al. I, I don't mind saying, you know, like there, and I do talk about personal birding and I mean, a, a, personal a, and, birding. Yes. Yeah. I, 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 I actually call it that. I call it personal birding and it's, and it's, you know, in part because it's sort of like the mindful birding thing that our, you know, our friend Holly Merker yeah. talks about a lot is like having time, your personal time in nature to really kind of commune with the birds that are your friends that you, you know, that you want to reconnect with and learn about and hear about again without, without any ambient, uh, um, noise or, or, or other distractions. You know, sometimes you really want to bird with certain people and, and, uh, but other times it's, it's about being immersed in it by yourself. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I, I am, uh, I'm subject to perhaps, um, dipping below my annual goal of 200 for this coming year, but we'll see. But, uh, but Al, I want to know, tell us, what did you do for New Year's Eve and did you make any resolutions? Um, resolutions, gosh, you know, not, 
Not really. I don't think I've ever been a resolution type of person, you know. And you didn't and, vow and, to to look at a few more goals this year. No, maybe no. I'm try to up I my mean, goal. My goal. Uh, now, yeah. every year I say this is the year I'm going to find a blacktail goal, and it never happens. Hmm. But you know, I so a lot of my actual I wouldn't call them resolutions, but sort of mindset shifts or tend to do with uh, health things. You know, like you know. I'm going to eat more fish, you know, can I sort of actively try to, you know, do more exercising or something like that, you know? So it's, it's weird. Birding sort of, um, I don't have birding goals per se, really. So I, I just sort of go whenever I can and, and do that. Um, so it's funny, but, uh, it makes me feel kind of, I like, I'm not thinking enough about birding to have these, you know, <laughs> quests, but, but, um, yeah, I did. I did. You know, the, the other. Well, um, I'll, maybe if we talk about Cozumel, I'll, I, every so often, you know, some little spark thing happens. Like, but that I was thinking, oh, I could see a new Icterid here, but I didn't. So that those are things that sometimes, you know, um, uh, kind of spark me for a while. Then I forget about them. So I don't have these long term goals like that. Yeah. Now, um, New Year's, it was it was a little um, different because. We had a, a friend who had a really uh, bad accident, and he's in a wheelchair now as of just a couple of months, you know, a few months. So on New Year's, we decided to get him out and, and you know, visit another friend, and we put up a ramp and all this kind of stuff. And it was kind of cool and emotional, um, sort of uh, his debut really into sort of trying to start leading his new life, you know? And, uh, so we were, it, it was not, you know, hanging out till midnight, you know, waiting. We, we did more of the sort of, we were on East coast time by nine, 9 PM. You know, we sort of had that as our, our schedule. Cause, um, just because of, you know, his, his situation too, he can't just stay up all night, you know, um, like the old days. So, but it was, I, I think maybe even more meaningful, in in so many ways to to do all that and uh but it was not you know it wasn't sort of the you know the classic new year's type right, situation right. Yeah. yeah so I, but yeah yeah and there, i feel like there's been a lot of media uh lately talking about how new year's is overdone going you know that all that whole thing and that resolutions like i think i've seen like three different articles like don't make resolutions, you know, like, you know, this resolution thing's all played out. You're just going to, you're just going to disappoint yourself or you're, you know, you're going to set expectations you can't live up to or whatever it is, you know? Um, but you know, it is, uh, as we've talked about before, it is sort of a, you know, you're turning the page and you're looking ahead and you're resetting. Um, yeah. I also similar to you guys, um, was, was in bed early. I, I used to be a big, like I was big into the new year's, like, let's go out, let's have a good time, you know? Um, and, but this year for the second year in a row, I was home alone and in bed by like 10 30 or something. Um, which is, I don't know, weird, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, no regrets at all. It was fine. And, you know, like, it, it was it was just nice and relaxing and chill. So yeah. I didn't make any resolutions either. But um, one thing uh, I thought about, and I wanted to ask <laughs> you guys about this, was I, one, I I didn't really like I say I'm not big on the resolutions. I'm, I'm not like yeah, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna beef up. I'm gonna start working out. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna get swole. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to get ripped. I'm going to get my eight pack back that I never had, you know, uh, I'm you know, like, I'm eight not in bulk. Yeah. <laughs> not, uh, not doing that. And, uh, yeah, like some people have a six pack. I always said, I said, I have more like a party bowl, you know, it's like, you know, that's, that's kind of where I'm at, but, um, Two you know, pack. yeah, yeah. So one pack. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but I was thinking, you know, there are, there are some birders I want to meet. I, I don't, I don't, you know, life birds. I like getting them here and there. Life birders can be a big deal. So I've got a couple life birders. I really want to, I want to, I want to get, I want to see, I want to meet. Um, 
And I thought I'd share those with you guys and see if you guys have any life birders you're curious about. So my number one life birder is Karina Newsom, who is from Philly, well-known birder, uh, super, super active in Black Birders Week and in the Atlanta era. She's like, she's done a million things. I feel like um, everybody kind of knows who Karina Newsom is. I've never met her and she's from Philly. She's my number one. Another one is a guy who's a friend of many of my friends, but I've never met. And I'm not even sure we like, we might've corresponded a little bit is Andy Farnsworth at, uh, you know, who's done all sorts of interesting work and at Cornell. And I think he did his undergraduate at Clemson and he's uh, a very interesting guy in the New York area. And then you never met him. No, he'd be a life birder, man. He'd be a life birder. He's Whoa. one of my most wanted life birders. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, that, that's, what, I mean, that's, that's not even a vagrant. That, yeah. That should I, be, you know. Yeah. It's, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like 90 minutes north of, of Philly or something. I could probably, you know, if I put my mind to it, I could probably get my life, my life or um, Andy Farnsworth. The other, I think, would be um, Corey Yusick, who I think you guys oh. may. Yeah, I think you guys may may he's, know Corey already. He's friends with many of my friends as well. And, he's uh, been on the Pelagics a couple of times. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I feel like Pennsylvania. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like I feel like we share a lot in common and yet have not really hung out. So anyway, those are a couple life birders that I want to get. Um, have you guys got any life birders that you're, you're uh, you'd like to get, or uh, or not really? Molly, you go first. I need to think. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, not something I had prepared to answer. But first off, I'm going to stall with a question. What's your uh, acceptance criteria? Like, do you have to get a photograph? Like what's <laughs> what justifies a, a life? Yeah, yeah. like this a, like a, a Zoom selfie meeting, on right? selfie on Instagram, <laughs> or it doesn't count. Um, yeah, yeah. No, it's that's it's a legitimate question. I hadn't and I hadn't uh, hadn't really hadn't really thought it. Um, yeah, <laughs> maybe uh, maybe just some kind of meeting where it's acknowledged that you both know who each other are, um, and that uh, and that a meeting <laughs> has occurred because you know this burning thing is so social too, right? It's like half of it. I feel like is the social yeah. aspect. And uh, so getting life birders is just as fun as getting life birds. Definitely. Yeah. It, there are so many birders that I've communicated with somehow online and haven't met in person as well um, that I consider friends, but I've never seen them in person, you know? Yeah. But who I am most excited maybe to meet, hopefully to listen to is uh, Jennifer Ackerman who oh, yes. is keynoting at the Columbia Bird Fair. Yes. And I'm so excited to get to hear her give a presentation under a circumstance like that in another country, I think in English. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, so yeah, whether or not we meet, that's a person I'm looking forward to, looking forward to witnessing this year. Yeah, that, I'm looking forward to that as well. That's going to be awesome at the, uh, mm-hmm. at the Columbia Bird Fair in Cali. We, we've got coming up and yeah, I've, uh, I've known her name for a long time, admired her books as well. That will be a cool one. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I got, maybe I have uh, one really sort of uh, travel lifer, bird lifer. So a person who, I mean, he's still, there's so many, you know, people that sort of have been passing away, you know, in the last few years, both in the sports world or in the, you know, the, you know, in, in the, all sorts of worlds that I've been thinking about sort of kind of grandmaster type birders, you know, that are out there that I haven't met. And one of them is uh, Tito Naroski. Naroski oh, yeah. is the guy who wrote the sort of original uh, field guide to the birds of Argentina yeah. that I used to have and look through and, you know, we would complain about this and that as you always do about, but, uh, but I, I thought, God, you know, it'd be so cool to meet, you know, a person who, who was sort of in on this so early in South America, who was also, you know, from there, a little different than sort of the, some of the earlier books, The Birds of Venezuela, Birds of, you know, Panama and so forth, were, were written by really knowledgeable people from outside of those countries. And that was one of the first books that was written by a, a local. 
So Tito Narocchi. When did the original Rosca come out? I want to say it was like it was like in the eighties. Oh, was it that late? I think it was. Yeah, it was. I think yeah, there was sort of Birds of Buenos Aires or something that they did earlier. That might have been in the late seventies, early eighties, and yeah, this. um, And um, so that you know that that'd be that'd be cool. and and a local, like a local sort of a person who I should have met, um, but just has not happened, is uh, Ryan Phillips. Who I don't know if you know him from the Belize um, uh, Raptor work, Belize Bird Conservancy, and he's done all the hawk watching stuff in Belize. And he just lives in the South Bay, and we correspond all the time. You know, Facebook. Uh, posts and uh, we were just talking the other day. We got to just meet one of these days. There was almost there was a agreement to, you know, go and meet and just hang out because it it seems like you know sometimes there are people that you realize that not only might you enjoy their company, but there might also be other things that come of it. Right, you're just doing projects or you you know things are happening right. that might be you mutually know, somehow, beneficial for you guys yeah. to actually meet and sit down and talk. Yeah, to yeah. yeah. So, so there's there's two one one that maybe I will never meet, and one that I have a very high probability of meeting. So there nice. you go. <laughs> yeah, people. I've had a lot of people show up on Argentina trips still using Naraski. Um, yeah, you know, like as recently as you know, 2019, I was on a trip, and I remember there was a guy who brought the Naraski guide. That was. And they, you know, they looked around, and of course, Argentina. I think at that point, the new Argentina guide was not out yet, um, mm-hmm. and Argentina mm-hmm. had suffered from from not having any kind of new modern field guide for a while. But there were kind of some other ways that people could patch them together, or apps and whatnot. And um, and uh, and, but I mean, that's 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 a that's a guide that has gotten a lot of a lot of use over the years, and was a real seminal work. So yeah, that's a good one. Um, but yeah, good ones all around. Good ones. <laughs> life for birders. Yeah. Well, I have birders. a follow-up question now. Um, are there any lifer locations that you all plan to visit in the next year? That is a good question, actually. I'd have to put my mind to thinking about that. Um, well, yeah. Actually, I think I told you, Molly, I'm going to Hardeen in Colombia. Um, That's right. So while I've been to Colombia before, Hardeen will be a new area for me. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, where is that? It's sort of South of Medellin, maybe uh, like a four hour drive South of Medellin. Um, so kind of, it's like, yeah, I think it's still central Andes. Um, but, uh, yeah, you'll be splitting two regions there. I think it's right on the edge of, um, Caldas. Yes. Is that the the more Southern? Yeah. Um, you're kind of right in the highlands and yeah. Some good territory. One of few locations I have on you. Yeah. <laughs> Ever since seeing your Cock of the Rock video, I was like, my God, I got to go there. That, that looks just insane. Yeah. <laughs> well, out of my one trip to Colombia, I think that's the place I would like to head back to and spend a lot more time there. I spent uh, just, I guess, just one night there. It's like a two hour drive from Medellin. So it's a, maybe less. I don't know. It's an easy place to get to, but uh, it's really cool. Quite jealous. Nice. Yeah, I don't think I'm scheduled to get any new countries this year that I can remember off the top of my head. Um, really, what about you guys? Got you know, good question though, Molly. Where, where, where are you going? That's new, Molly. You know, uh, this is a kind of strange year for me in that I I am helping with some tours and doing a couple things where I'm going back to a lot of regions that I've been to, um, which is really exciting. But I, I've been thinking about this. I wanted to be a little intentional about visiting some new places. So uh, nothing planned. A couple things that are on my mind. I'm going to have like 48 hours after we wrap up our Columbia trip before I need to be at a, a landowner conservation conference in Georgia. And I was thinking, where would I like to spend that 48 hours? And I'm tempted to stop in maybe Aruba or I was looking at Caribbean islands. It would be an easy stop on the way back, but not ones that have endemics that I couldn't get to all of them within like, like I said, 48 hours or something Um, like Jamaica crossed my mind, but I want to spend enough time in Jamaica to really 
thoroughly bird it. So I was looking at places that don't have endemics that I <laughs> wouldn't necessarily want to stop at, but might as well check out on the way home. Um, another thing that's on my list is cleaning up Central America a little bit more. And I haven't been to Honduras. Um, so I was looking at maybe making that a stop. Your dog does not like Honduras. What's going on? He doesn't. Sorry that my dog doesn't like that location, but (laughs) he's not happy. He hates Honduras at some point. Yeah, he apparently he doesn't like the traveling. But uh, yeah, see about going there at some point for a week or so this year. Nice. Yeah, I have a, a place that I've been to that I've never been to in this season, which is going to be interesting. And it's Japan in spring. Oh, wow. So I will be, I've been there in winter three times, I think. And so I know how kind of Japan works, you know, getting around and what it generally looks like, what the food is like. So this is going to be totally different. And we're going to go to one spot, which is an island on the, on the west side where you take a little ferry and you go to this island and and um, basically walk around birding because it's a small island where migrants hang out or you know stop over, and uh, that sounds really fantastic. So no no vans, no vehicles, just walking around birding uh, for a couple of days. Yeah, I've you know? heard about this place. I forget what it's called, but um, it sounds like it, it's like a lot of these migration spots. If you hit it right, it can be like overwhelmingly amazing. And then mm-hmm. but just generally speaking, it's always, there's some cool stuff to see. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, it's kind of, it sounds sort of reminds me a little like Monhegan Island in Maine almost. It's like, a, right. you know, some kind of little Island where it, the situation goes right. You can find yourself in a bunch of migrants and it's, and you're all on foot. So, uh, yeah, yeah that's pretty cool. So that should be, that should be fun just to also see the, all, those birds that I've never seen, you know, that are in the book. It's it's one thing when you go to a place and you, and you look at the book and you're in a, in a seasonal place and you go, oh, hey, well, how come I'm not seeing this one? You know, it's like, oh, yeah, that's here in spring. It's like, well, how about this one? Oh, that's in here in spring. So this will be the time where I can actually get to look at some of these other species that are in the book. So that that's going to be great. And I, and I, I love migration. When, when I started the, you know, the, Alvarez Adventures, I had this idea, and it might kind of come back, that to do some tours that were food, wine related, you know, which I've done, but to do some tours that were just migration related. And Spain Mm -hmm. um, fell into that kind of category. I wanted, and it never has worked out yet, to do uh, Israel um, as a migratory kind of place. And then this is now sort of like, oh, let's let's check this out. and the idea being, you know, if you're a North American keen on migration, there's just an excitement of going somewhere else where you can feast on migration elsewhere and different birds, and but yet the same kind of situation. So, um, yeah, migration tours, see if uh, happens, you know, that idea gets re-sparked through spring in Japan. So. Yeah, no, it's super. That should be that should be fun. I I really I dig the migration spots as well as someone who grew up birding Cape May, Cape Charles, and you know all these these uh, East Coast kind of especially autumn migration spots that that has great appeal to me as well. So I understand where you're heading with that. I like I like those ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, that sound cool. Well, we all got some new new fronts ahead of us. That's. It's good. Yeah. Nice to have spots you return to again and again, peel back the layers, you know, really develop some familiarity, some expertise, but it's also great to get to new spots where you can broaden your horizons. So uh so I'm I'm happy yeah. for all of us that we're doing that, guys. <laughs> yeah. Good good work all around. Um but yeah, along those well, lines yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Al. No, I, I need to get back to Philly, not only to see it in a different season, but remember, I've never had a cheesesteak or a dove key. Yeah. Or a dove key. And yeah. I will be trying the um, tomato pie. I will be trying it. <laughs> I don't give a crap what you say. Yeah. I've had other friends tell me that you've been too harsh on the tomato pie. 
I know. I know we've gotten a lot of feedback on that. It's true. Yeah. It might be what we've got the most feedback on. It's true. Yeah. I knew it was, I knew it was sort of an unpopular stance that I was taking, but uh, I think I I underestimated just how unpopular uh, my position would be. But uh, yeah, I I stand by it. Not that I hate tomato pie because I don't merely that. Oh, he's walking back a little bit of the uh, negativity here. This is always, well, tomato pie irritates me. It irritates me. It's not not that I really hate it. It's that I would just always rather have pizza. And I I pretty much stand by that. I I have yet to have tomato pie where I'm like, you know, given the option, which would you take? Uh, And so at any rate, you guys, you know, we'll, we'll get this sorted out. We're going to, we'll do the taste test, see what you guys think. And, uh, and, and we'll, we'll, uh, you know, we'll get your takes. It'll be good. People will be glad to. I'm sure you're going to come around in my way. I think I have every faith. Could so, be, could be. I mean, you know, there, there's, you know, it's like I think it's like beer, though. You know, there's some things that people say this beer is great, and I'm like, I just don't like that, you know, and and I cannot get over whatever it is. Yeah. And it's not that I dislike beer. It's just that there's certain I can, flavors I, I just don't that. like. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then, yeah. then there's some beers that annoy me. But no, anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it's good it's important we talk about these things yeah i know <laughs> yeah that's what keeps the podcast back, spicy right. i know back to the birds so. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, back to the birds back to the birds and i i am very curious because i followed i followed this adventure with a big bag of popcorn the whole time Molly, I want to hear about your trip to Costa Rica. You guys had an amazing group of folks, it looks like, and you saw some amazing stuff. How was that? Tell us about that. Yeah, it was it was pretty amazing. Um, it was just, it felt so adventurous the whole time. And that was my third trip to Costa Rica. Um, I was there, that was my first international trip back when I was in high school, not birding specific. It was uh, a group of biology students that went. So birds were an element. But then I went back earlier this year and um, did a run through of the itinerary and just did a little bit of tour prep because we were basing the tour around uh, our conservation partner for the co-op, uh, Osa Birds. And they have a banding station in the Osa Peninsula where they're focusing on a combination. Started out looking at migratory birds um, and Swainson's thrush specifically and ended up getting a lot of data on local birds that are not very studied in the Osa Peninsula. So they, they have a secondary focus on that as well and do lots of other things. They actually have a native plant nursery in the Osa Peninsula, um, uh-huh. which is definitely the largest. I don't know if it's the, the only one, but it's the only one on its scale. And uh, they own some land and just have a lot of different initiatives that they do. So um, that was all really, really exciting. And we spent a lot of time there and had kind of a few days getting to the Osa and a few days back. But it was just, uh, I don't want to say Costa Rica's tame. It's just very familiar to birders. You know, it's such a popular destination. And I like going to places that are really off the beaten path. And I think, oh, everybody goes to Costa Rica. And then I get there and I'm like, oh, yeah, well, this is why everyone goes to Costa Rica. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, uh, there's a reason just, people go. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Just absolutely thrilling everywhere you go, both in uh, the the birding and the opportunities to, to see birds and wildlife and uh, just get out and hike and see beautiful, well-preserved land and everything. Uh, and also just the, the people and the culture and just how much everyone around seems to embrace conservation and, you know, knows what mammals are on their property and is excited about the birds that you're excited about and all of these things uh, everywhere we went was just really, really fun and lots of great people, lots of uh, mammal watching too. We saw a lot of reptiles and amphibians and went out at night many times and had just lots of really awesome experiences. So mm. it was a really good trip. So you guys spent some time on, o- on the OSA, right? And, um, Mm-hmm. What what were the other parts of Costa Rica that you hit? Yeah, so Osa Peninsula is the uh, south west corner 
um, sticks off of uh, Costa Rica. And you start sort of in the Central Valley, which is pretty centrally located in the country in San Jose where people fly in. So we went down through the Talamanca Mountains and kind of went through that ridgeline, took the Pan American Highway. It's maybe eight hours or so to where you're staying on the OSA altogether. So um, we broke that up over a few days and got a lot of those uh, regional endemics that are only in that mountain range and hit a lot of different elevations. Um, Resplendent Quetzal was a major highlight. And uh, there's a cooperative. Yeah, it was it was amazing. Yeah, it looked like that thing performed very well for you guys, it looked like. uh, Things, yeah. I think we had... Six. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was really, really cool. And a place that a lot of birders go to. Um, but there's a cooperative of farmers and landowners there that are all private lands that just uh have worked for for years on preserving Quetzal habitat. Uh so that's a, a really cool thing to experience. Uh, while we were there, we got a tip that there is a tapir showing. And we zipped off and ended up catching it and had a really cool experience of it as well. So that was our first big mammal sighting of the trip. Really yeah. set the pace. Yeah, it was really, wow. really cool. It's really thrilling. Um, we were kind of like, it was a 10-minute drive or so. We were like swerving through with our bus and trying to get there. And it was just slowly walking off as we uh, as we got there. And we all got to see it for, I don't know, 15 seconds. 30 seconds and it was gone but it was we were so close to it it it, it came sort of toward us and crossed our path and was just slowly feeding its way through so that was amazing yeah and then on the way back we went up the uh west coast and carrara national park is uh quite a popular and accessible birding destination um spent some time along the coast went to just a couple little lesser known birding spots along the way and broke that up over a few days too Nice. Yeah. yeah. Carrara is actually the last place I remember I, I'm um, doing a lot of hitchhiking. Not something I'd recommend nowadays probably, but, or, and I'm sure it wasn't recommended then, but, but like I, I did a, um, when I was in, this would have been, I don't know, late nineties, I guess. And I was going around and I remember I, I stayed in, was it, I can't remember that beach town, um, near Carrara and I hitchhiked around, but I actually, most of the time I got picked up by, um, everyone that would pick me up were super nice folks. They totally understood the birding thing. It was like, they weren't surprised Mm -hmm. by it. You know, I probably looked the part, um, as well, but, uh, but yeah, that's a fun area. And, uh, yeah, it was really cool. Really, really great birding. I've not been to Osa yet and really eager to see, uh, to see that that wilderness that that is there so yeah yeah this is still a, a pretty it, it's just a harder area to get to and um the it, it's not as touristy you know it's a, a harder thing to get to i've i've discovered what the dogs are barking at by the way we have a, either a skunk or a raccoon outside that's moseying around so i'm oh, seeing yeah. it oh, wow. the corner yeah they're they're not happy about that but yeah, my dog, outside, my dog so. does not is not happy about the skunk here that I've yeah. referenced before. That's right. We need a skunk update too. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think the skunk is around lately. I haven't I haven't seen him. And like his hole looks like it's got a lot of leaves and stuff in front of it. So I don't think he's been going in there. <laughs> uh, but the, the the biggest problem here lately is that the neighbors have up some Christmas decorations, inflatable Christmas decorations. One that's like a it's like a Christmas stocking that's in you know big inflatable christmas stocking where there's this dog with oh, a santa yeah. hat that like sort of <laughs> slowly comes out and then slowly goes back in the stocking and our dog is not usually too uh you know i, I don't want to say he's unflappable <laughs> but he's you know he doesn't get upset about much but this christmas tree uh this christmas or, um you know decoration has proven just too much for him to bear and he is irate <laughs> about it. It's the only time I've seen like the hair on the back of his neck go up. He's oh, like, yeah. you know, he's like really enraged by it. So, yeah. So I get it. Um, yeah. The skunk's been, been, uh, been <laughs> in short supply lately, but, but this yeah. uh, other guy has been keeping us busy here. So, 
<laughs> well, anyway, yeah. Um, so we stayed at actually an old mining camp in the Osa that has been converted into um, like guest cabanas. So that's where we spent our three nights there. And it was a, a lot of fun. But the community we were in, Dos Brazos, um, just got like bridges to actually make public roads accessible within the past few years. So we're still talking about that level of rural life that we're interacting with there. You know, for for me, uh, I've only been to Costa Rica like for three, four days, like I think two trips each of two days. So I have like almost no experience there. But I remember the little time I spent was was pretty cool. And one of the stopovers was way back. And, I, you know, when you could do sort of stopovers on flights and I just stopped over because I just had to see a Montezuma's or a Pendula. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, and it was not hard to do that, of course, but yeah. I just, you know, I just needed to do that. Did you get at, to at that hear point? Them? I hadn't seen one. Did you get to um, hear them? Well, yeah. well I, I don't remember at that point, but later on, right? You know, I mean, since then, I've seen colonies and all the whole deal. But okay. at that point, I just wanted to see one. Right, right. I mean, I, just because seen... I, I, I raise it only because it is a spectacular sounding bird, and the display is is a pretty awesome one. They do those yeah. crazy somersaults when from wherever their perch is. And, yeah. yeah. I, I do think that vocally though, I would say that I'm more impressed with crested or pendula because yeah. I can actually hear the two different sounds being made at the same time. When mm-hmm. I hear that, like I could hear the, the little comb going and then the going down at the same time. Mm-hmm. Kind of that, and that's cool. I don't hear it. In this at that same level of you know Montezuma, but that was that was the reason I stopped in Costa Rica, which is weird, I think. Also, also a cool bird name, Montezuma or a pendula is. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. High quality bird name. Yeah. Name for a person, though. I don't yeah. know. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Semi deity, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> well. Sort of similarly, and just the the common spectac- spectacular birds, uh, Scarlet Macaw was rated the bird of the trip by the group. And another yeah. one, where you just see, you know, hundreds of them throughout the day, and you never get tired of them. They're I will say, though, magnificent. I don't know about you, Molly, but I do get tired of hearing them. They, uh, Scarlet Macaw, <laughs> incre- yeah, not similarly in the call sound. Yeah, they really. <laughs> They, it's, it's as bird sounds go, I think it's one of the more like the, 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 the disparity between the level of beauty of the bird and the loudness and harshness <laughs> and nastiness of the call, um, might be unsurpassed when you look at, at the macaws, uh, and scarlet macaw, man, they, as a noisy bird, it's just, they're so spectacular, but if you get close mm-hmm. to those things and they, and they're making a racket. You, you do find yourself wanting to get away from them. <laughs> but it's a good position to be in. If you want to get away from Scrum Macaws, you know you're someplace cool. So. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, most of the time, well, when we were in Dos Brazos, we were staying at the bottom of a valley. So they were passing by like way high overhead and you could hear them. Um, not so much that it was an annoyance by any means. Uh, but one fun thing that we did on the way back, our uh, local guide was Diego Casada, who's one of the top birders in Costa Rica as far as bird list and, and expertise and just time in the field. But we stopped for him to twitch a country bird that was a ring-billed gull. Wow. Uh, yeah, that was not a life bird because he's been to the U.S., uh, but was a, a country record. So we just stopped on a beach where it was hanging out with a, a mix of laughing and Franklin skulls. But when we were there, there were was a flock of um, or several pairs of scarlet macaws that were eating just at eye level on um, some, I think they're called beach almonds, just really short, like eight, 10 foot tall trees that were right on the, the edge of the water. And we spent a lot of time just enjoying them for while he was getting his ring-billed gold looks, we were all <laughs> hanging out with the scarlet macaws. You guys really were not. Fun. You guys were not ooing and aahing over the uh, the ring-billed gull as much. Not quite to the same amount. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's always fun cool. to to be yeah. with someone who twitches a bird. You know that it's like 
I don't know, when you're here on the East Coast and uh, like a biggest week when there's a Townsend's Warbler a few years back and was hanging out with uh, well, Josh Coville and Andrew Gutenberg from Montana. And they came along for the fun of it. And everybody was just flocking to the bird from, <laughs> from the East Coast. Yeah, it's good. Good twitch is always a good time. <laughs> yeah, it is. It yeah. is. Successful one's good, too. <laughs> yeah, even better. Yeah. Nice. Well, that sounds awesome. It looked like a hell of a group. Mm-hmm. And I know I've been following the birding co-op updates and you guys uh, put, put together a really nice group and a really nice trip. So that is awesome. Very, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Alvaro, I know you also were on a trip recently, a shorter trip, family trip that you, you, you teased a little bit for us in the last uh, yeah. conversation we had here. Uh what was it like uh, visiting Cozumel? Cozumel was actually pretty interesting. Um, just like I predicted, I, w- I only really had, you know, an hour and a half maybe to go birding in the morning before going back to family. So I, I happened to be right near this village called El Cedral, and, and it was, you know, a five-minute drive from where we were staying. So... I visited there a few times and then um, had uh, one afternoon at this road close by again. And all the things I really wanted to see, I saw, except for that orange oriole that, you know, would have been the new icterid. So I had a species I've never seen before of in, in, in the oriole group. So So that just didn't happen. But I was actually really thrown for a loop as to how the the Caribbean birds that are on Cozumel, which I you know kind of talked about, I think I hinted at this whole weird situation. Cozumel is not that far off from the Mexican mainland, but it has populations of truly Caribbean species. That means it probably was connected to Bahamas and Cuba at some point, and not connected to the Mexican mainland. Something like that is my guess, but. You know, there's Spindalis there. The house wren is actually much more different than I thought. In fact, I couldn't find it. I, I was looking. I was like, why is this house wren just not findable? What's going on? And I was looking in the wrong places. It was not in house wren habitat. It was in trees, in vines, really sort of, you know, canopy level, and they're being very quiet. So uh, it it. Blew me away. It really reminded me of the lesser Antillian house friends. As people have said, it's just different. Um, the Spindalis that's there is really, really different. I was just thinking, like, my gosh, this has to be an endemic. You know, it cannot be the same thing as the one in Cuba or Bahamas. And then the banana quits, again, were crazy in that they're these Bahama-type banana quits with uh, reduced, you know, yellow on the breast and and genetically, they're actually related to the Bahama birds, not to any of the other ones in the Caribbean or in the mainland. So there was so many things going on that I was just like, oh, my gosh. You know, there's so much here that's – it really makes – you know, it's what I'm interested in, the history of bird, you know, avifaunas. And when you get a situation where you can almost tease apart what is happening or what happened and that there's this whole – connection to an entirely different group of birds. I, I was just floored by it. So I, I, I really enjoyed my few hours in of birding in Cozumel, you know, and, and their black cat birds there, which are pretty cool. Yes. I saw a Swainson's warbler, which was cool too. Like, oh, I don't man. see those things ever. So yeah, I don't I see mean, many that, of those either. I mean, I'm, that might be like the fourth or fifth I've ever seen in my life. So that's, yeah. that's Molly, the level. Of, Molly does better with little, those than we do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're not daily. I'm a little too far out of the mountains for that, but maybe slightly better. <laughs> yeah. So it, there were you know, just a lot of interesting stuff. Um, and also I got to learn that there were subspecies there that um, I didn't even know were different. Like there's a blue-gray gnatcatcher that's a Cozumel endemic subspecies, and it's very gray on the breast. And I'm mm-hmm. like, hmm, you know, how many... Other things are in here that are a little, you know, a little wacky. There, were, there are Caribbean Elenias there and Caribbean doves. And, and the Caribbean doves don't look like the ones on, on the 
islands are actually look like the ones are on Yucatan. So there might be this, uh, my, my mind was blown with like, oh, there's so much for somebody to work on here, but won't be me. <laughs> but at least like there's, <laughs> there's stuff going on that interested me that sort of, I love that kind of thing. So, so that was, that was cool. And you know, the, the weather actually wasn't very good. We had like rain uh, first few days, but really intense rain so that, you know, the city was flooded. You know, we had to like drive our car almost like one of those boats, you know, that amphibious vehicle. And fortunately, there wasn't enough for a current to get to be one of those people that, you know, ends up in the news, but, you know, like being <laughs> extracted from a car by a helicopter or something. But we were on the verge of that. You know, we were kind of almost there, but um. I was assuring my family that I knew what I was doing. So, yeah. Well, <laughs> I was going to say it seems like wherever you've been lately, you've been attracting some rain. Um, that's that's right. Yeah. What's uh, that's like, right? You, you, like you, I, I saw your update, but I've been mostly just seeing like news stories about Bay Area, um, this atmospheric river. Um, right. And I saw you, so, you. You had a Christmas count like. During that time, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, that couldn't, I know, have, that like, couldn't have been the best day. I wouldn't have thought. But what was well, that? Like? I mean, that was. I, I I had one task is just to do the seabird, like the flyby kind of uh, sea watching. So I I cut out a little early. There was a point in time I had a window of time where weather broke, and I was able to watch. And I I got a, a good one, Casson's Auckland. Then I was like, the the rain just started pouring down and. Trees were falling over the highway, so I was like, yeah, I better get out of here. But have you guys – okay, so here's a question because this came up. Um, had you ever heard of an atmospheric river before, this no. sort of news cycle? No? Nope. No. Nope. Okay, so we, we've been – you know, we've been calling them that for the last few years. It's, it's this very specific type of storm, and they used to be called the Pineapple Express. That was the other oh, name wow. for them. I thought that was so the pineapple. Like a- Jonah Hill movie or something, right? So, I know, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It's I, I think it's probably because Vancouver also would get the Pineapple Express sometimes. You know, mm-hmm. Canadians involved in that, um, and uh, yeah, and I think there's some uh, drug elements we won't be mm-hmm. talking about here live. Okay. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> this is Intrigued. some connotations, yeah, okay. but the Pineapple Express, it's and what what happens is really it is a river. And it's not just like a front that comes through and you get a bunch of rain. It's like this funneling of of moisture from Hawaii or even further away that gets funneled into this just, you know, hose towards the coast. And it can be narrow. It actually can be just, you know, 50, 60 miles wide or less. And it just like shoots water essentially at at the place. So it's like this rainfall that's intense. And um, oft- sometimes it's associated with wind. This actually wasn't, you know, it's just the, the, it wasn't that windy for us. It was windier somewhere other places, sort of on the edge of it. But it's just intense. Um, one, of the, um, one of the folks that I know in Santa Cruz Mountains had nine inches of rain oh, fall, you know, over the weekend. And for us, it flooded you know, the local creeks were all flooded. Uh, we had road, big road closures. Um, Central Valley, big chunks of it got flooded. Um, trees falling over highways and just, you know, it, it was kind of a, a disaster. Bird-wise, it was really difficult to do this count, right? No, hardly anybody could get, a, you know, be out there and counting. Most people w- weren't able to get to their spots. The roads were closed. So it's only us locals on the coast that were able to go and, and visit uh, the spots. But I think most of us cut out earlier, just, you know, um, there's a point where you're like, maybe it's dumb to be out here, you know, <laughs> so right. sort of that kind yeah. of thing. And um, what is happening now is that. So everything is saturated, you know, on the, on the highways, I could see places where there's about to be like, you know, big land, you know, fall and mud everywhere. It's just like really kind of disgusting. Uh, when I went to the airport, cause I'm in El Paso right now, believe it or not, that's another story, but there's more water coming like tomorrow night and another kind of even more intense storm with wind is hitting 
So I'm worried that tomorrow night into Thursday, it's going to be like a super disaster zone in parts of California. If the water and then the wind predicted is like they say, this wouldn't be a big deal if it was if it was just a storm that was hitting in a random time, but it's hitting just a few days after a really big storm. And it's just, uh, yeah, I think you're going to be hearing more about weather in California. So we've gone from drought to suddenly getting a lot of water, which is great to some extent. <laughs> it's like all falling in the, you know, one week, you know, so right. we'll, we'll see. And a lot of it is warm. A lot of these pineapple express type things are, are warm. So they don't accumulate a lot of snowpack and snowpack is what you need for recharge uh, in the spring and summer, you know, so we really need a lot of snowpack in California to have the water system work. So it's, yeah. So just like, you know, we like to complain about when we don't have rain. We like to complain when we have rain. We like to complain <laughs> is actually mm-hmm. what's going on here. As, Starting you know. to see there's a common denominator there. <laughs> yeah. Well, just, but, you know, I, I was totally wrong, by the way, about uh, the Pineapple Express, not Jonah Hill. There was Seth Rogen, James Franco, and Danny McBride. Those were the headliners of that final yeah. film. Um, so. Seth, Seth Rogen's uh, from Vancouver, so he would have used that term, Pineapple Express. Yeah, he might have been able so. to use it with some legitimacy. Mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and... Um, but bird-wise, I think there was a bit of a shake-up of three a few and, three birds. And a half, three and a half stars on IMDb. Just oh. Three and a half stars. Oh. Maybe I'm not going to watch that. Is that what you gave it on IMDb? No, I, 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 it would be a lifer for me, Molly. i gotta, I got to check it <laughs> out. Me too. Yeah. Might be worthwhile. <laughs> yeah. But you, you, have to, you have seen Superbad, though, right? I have seen Superbad, yeah. Okay. That, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Solid. <laughs> solid. Yeah. solid. Um, I, th- I think there are a few birds moved around but it was so intense that really there was not much that that uh happened with this storm uh although yesterday right yeah yes was it yesterday before i came over here right i was getting all my things ready before a flight in the afternoon i saw a bird in my backyard like in the in the, in the bushes comes out yellow face Hermit warbler, first oh, hermit man. warbler from my yard mm-hmm. ever in decades. I've seen more Tennessee warblers in my yard than hermit warblers. More yellow green first, vireos. But, more yellow green. I've mean, yeah, more yellow green vireos. You know, <laughs> so it uh, it it's it's again the same thing. Local migrants, West Coast migrants, we don't get vagrants. We get where I live, so it's harder to find these things that breed in my county, in my yard, than things that breed in Philadelphia. Yeah, or elsewhere. Yeah, bizarre. So that was good. Maybe that was weather related. I don't know, but it hadn't been there before. So something happened, Mm. you know. Yeah. But we'll see what happens at the new storm. I haven't had much uh, good locally of late, Um, but I did have one nice thing: was I heard and then was able to see just about three blocks from my house three, four days ago, a beautiful little tiny saw-wet owl. So huh. That was pretty cool. I heard it. Oh, wow. Yeah, I heard it giving its its whale call, you know, that whale call that they give. Not not like the animal, a whale, but W-A-I-L. <laughs> and, um, and then was able to get a light on it and uh, get a nice little look at it before it, it flew off into the forest. Um, so that Is, isn't that what they call the saw-wet call or whatever yeah i think that, uh is that the is it the whatever wedding a saw used to be yeah, made think, this wailing sound <laughs> i think it's a different call if i remember right oh really that's that's, that's the name for um but I, i'm not sure i have to double check um it's certainly named that's, for it's named for the sound but i can't actually remember what a saw a wedding of a saw sounds like but i in my mind it was more of a rougher sound but uh um yeah. We should uh, we should have a t- we should do this as a topic one day. It's like find all these words that people had for very specific sounds that are used in bird or or calls that have a very are are named like the kicker call, you know, in Virginia rails, and mm-hmm. there are all these like named calls. 
but why those things were named or the saw wedding, wedding yeah. of the saw and all this or kind of stuff. Winnowing. like Winnowing. Know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, there are a bunch of good yeah. There, there are. And, and they're all really old school. They're all kind of things from back in the day, people lived in the country kind of things that, you yeah. know, sort of heard these things. Like a shoemaker. A shoemaker. Yeah. yeah we, we talked about some of those in Antarctica, some of those old bird names, which like people are like, how does this, you know, that has been lost in time to the mists of time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Who makes shoes now? Nobody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You know, so um I've got a topic, you know, this um this Goonlacks hawk thing that oh, yeah. uh, is being reported reported from Florida. Mm-hmm. Goonlacks hawk is basically a, an occipiter from Cuba that looks kind of like a Cooper's hawk but it, it's either reddish underneath or gray. It's not the classic barred look of a Cooper's hawk. But if you look at, here's the thing: this bird was on a roof, right? Was it in house, Miami? Was it, was it like in Miami? So, I think so. Yeah. yeah. And these, you know, Goonlax hawks are always sort of in brushy, forested habitats. They can be in the open. They can be near houses, hotels, and all that. But they don't hang out near urban situation. They don't perch on power lines. They don't perch or power. You know, they don't not, perch on anything human made. Yeah. You know, they, they can be, they can be flying around the open, but when they're perched, they're on a tree and often they're very, you know, quiet and, you know, they, they just have a, a behavior that's so different from a Cooper's, yeah. which be could new, be perched be a new anywhere. a bird right? for me. It's not a bird I know. At yeah. All, so. so this picture comes out of this thing that looks like a Goonlike's hawk, but it's not in, in a place that you would never find a Goonlax hawk. And I reacted so strongly against the image of this thing being in such wrong habitat that I started thinking this cannot be a Goonlax hawk, which is probably not the right thing to do. But in my mind, it was like, this is just so wrong. It doesn't make any sense. And I started looking at Cooper's hawks and, some of them have a lot more gray than others. And I thought, how about if you just had a really gray male Cooper's hawk? Wouldn't it just look essentially like a Goonlax hawk? And it made me think about like a lot of things that you've probably all seen a bird at some point where you're like, well, it looks like a Swainson's thrush, but gosh, it's mm, not quite there. And you wonder like, how many times do we see something where we think it's a, but it's a, a variant of B that actually has a field mark that makes it look like A, yet we have no way of knowing. You know what I mean? Like you could have a little bit of an eye ring on a, you know, on, on, you know, gray cheek thrush or something and see it in a way that you might think, well, that has to be a Swainson's, cannot be gray cheek, or maybe I'm simplifying it too much, but no, I know what you mean, though. Basically, there's there's some small yeah. feature of a bird where the there's a species pairing, basically, where the other one looks similar enough, where if one character gets thrown off, that your entire take on the bird the you're seeing is, yeah, is, is, is donezo in your – yeah. Because yeah. sure this bird looks like a Goonlike's hawk, but, you know, in just the, the general color features – it's not flying and there's no other structural stuff that you can really see to sort of say, okay, well, there's something else here that's very not Cooper's like in my mind, I, I don't, I don't see it. Like people are saying it's got a bigger eye and so on. I was like, hmm, I don't know. But, uh, I, I think there's like, there's something really rich in this story because one thing is that I mentioned that I was uncomfortable with this being a Goonlax hawk, but I'm not necessarily I cannot say it's a Cooper's hawk. I don't know. I don't know if it's one or the other. But I think the hypothesis that it could be a funky-looking Cooper's hawk is valid, right? The hypothesis that it could be like a Goonlax hawk completely out of range and weirded out and sitting on a roof is also valid. But I, I, I have almost like my meter for accepting that is lower than my meter for accepting a weird Cooper's hawk, which is weird. You know, like it's almost like what your base foundation of 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 the you know how you've seen those birds, right? Your own bias, it, yeah, 
your bias. So it's yeah. all about bias, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no truth in <laughs> you, you can't almost think of like you can't figure this out because no it'll all be I, I, this bias kind of yeah i was wondering view. what the resolution was because I, I was sort of as we were talking about this bird a little bit earlier and i i you know not being familiar with the bird um my my thought was well geez i, I mean that it sure doesn't look like any cooper's hawk i've ever seen before but i've never seen a gunlock's hawk um and um but you know and people are saying, well, you know, there was the storm and, you know, you always hear that, right? People always love to say, well, that was the weather, weather did it, you know? And of course, weather is a factor sometimes, but not, not, uh, not all the time. And, um, and, and not usually for resident birds that live on islands. Like, right. And those birds, often, it, yeah. yeah, those birds often kind of know when storms are coming, they get down and, and, um, yeah, but, it, but, it, you know, I, I, I have no idea. It's, you know, I have no idea what to make of that bird. Uh, like you know, I, yeah. I, I I want it mm-hmm. to be a Gunbox hawk because I think that would be so cool, uh, and I have no, you know, I have no kind of baseline experience with it. Um, to to uh, you know, to, like I'm I'm sure if I'd seen them and, and done many many tours to Cuba like you have, where you you it's a bird you know and you've kind of seen it in these situations where you'd be like, you you see it on what the gutter of a house or the roof of a house or something. And you think, well, no, that doesn't happen. (laughs) And, uh, yeah. 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 Uh, The other option is it could be, there's there's a lot of people in Cuba that keep birds. There's not many falconers, but there are some. And you wonder if it could have been sold, you know, to, and almost all birds from Cuba that are sold to in the wild bird trade are sold to people in southern florida so that's where the cuban bullfinches go and all these other birds that that people keep you know uh, cuban grass quits and and so forth so that would make almost more sense to me that okay it's a goon like so that's actually used to people um nevertheless yeah yeah. goon is very closely related to coopers so they sound exactly alike so you can't even use Mm -hmm. Yeah, tapes, <laughs> you know, because it's going to react to a Cooper's hawk or a Gunlock's hawk call. It's a, right. about the same thing. So, in fact, makes you wonder, like, maybe they are the same thing, just, you know, subspecies. Just all, but all environmental, basically. Or, yeah. yeah, something like that. But uh, it's, I think, a real interesting case. And, and I think in, in today's birding world, we simplify everything. So if you give an opinion online about something, it's almost like he says it's a you know a Cooper's hawk. I'm like I don't know that it. I have no idea, but I'm like putting out a theory that right. needs to like be evaluated. Is, you right. know what this, I mean? Like this is worth considering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, it's uh crazy. We'll see what happens. Maybe it'll show up again, and you know it'll you know it'll do something to make itself known as a goon likes hawk. Maybe it's shape or something when it flies over. Who knows? Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah, curious bird. That is for sure. Yeah. Well, um, guys, we got a scoot here. Uh, our it's time, time. Yeah, our time is nigh. Um, yeah, before we get out of here, Al, is there anything you want uh, folks to know about that you've got coming up? Well, we have, what's the date? Date's on in April, our Hawaii trip. As spots open. That's a trip that Molly did once led. And it's a fun trip. It's a cool trip. And Mandy Talpas will be leading that trip. And we uh, we still have spots. So if anybody is interested, alvarosadventures.com or or email us here, wherever. <laughs> nice. As I've said before, one of my favorite eating tours. The food is... Uh, <laughs> Is good. Oh, a, lot yeah. of, a lot of good dining on that trip. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cool place. It's a good food trip. Molly, what do <laughs> you got coming up? Well, this episode should come out right before we head to Columbia. Uh, so we'll be sharing updates on that tour shortly after. But uh, by the time this is out, we'll have our full co-op schedule for 2023. I can remember the year uh, up and online. So we've got a couple U.S. events, a couple international events, and lots of virtual stuff. So check that out. Nice. Excellent. Yeah. Um, look forward to seeing 
all that stuff and how those trips come together. And yeah, same. Check out hillstarnature.com. We got some some plenty of trips coming up. I'm excited to see our India trips uh, starting to fill up and uh, look like we're going to go and search for mammals in the Gujarat of Western India and, and tigers in the Central Plains and a whole bunch of birds too. So encourage folks mm. to take a look at those trips uh, among any others that might pique their interest. Uh, I did want to send a thank you out to Ed Pullen at the Bird Banter Podcast. Really enjoyed uh, guesting on his podcast. Uh, I think both you guys know Ed, and he was he was uh, one of Al's uh, guests on the uh, Antarctic Cruise we just did. A, a good listen, Bird Banter. So definitely encourage folks to check that out, too. And we're coming up on almost a year now of our sponsorship from Koa Sport Optics. Want to thank Koa so much for allowing us to do what we do here. Uh, we're all big fans of our scopes and optics, and uh, so we thank Koa as well. But thanks most of all to everybody listening. We uh, we really appreciate all the feedback we're getting in the comments and the and the messages and stuff. It it you have no idea how much it means. Yeah, so. and we haven't gotten to it all. You know, I mean, uh, we've also in the traveling and so forth. Uh, so it's it's not being ignored. It's like there's a lot of yeah, some of it we we've uh, replied to immediately. Other stuff we've been keeping to sort of talk about at some point yeah. on live here. So yeah, thanks for we've, those ideas. Yeah, we've talked about almost all of it collectively together, uh, either via email or messenger or in person. But uh, but yeah, thanks. So there, much. there was there was Nikki Brockcamp though today, right, Molly? Who was throw another yep. prill on the Barbie? That's right. <laughs> Krill jokes, keep them uh, coming. Yeah, krill, krill jokes never get old, right? That's yeah. No, no. I know. Yeah, yeah. That's right. We will. Yeah. Okay. Well, good stuff. Thanks so much, guys. Great talking to you guys. And uh, peace, everybody. Talk to you soon. Thanks, everyone. Bye, bye.